All you have to do is look across Munfield to our basketball arena and you, you see how championships are made. Players play, tough players win. It's downtown, breaking with the basket up, and it's in! Defense by Michigan State is unreal right now. Dawson, out to Harris for a three ball, he got it! Check good, it's good! You're listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is the Impact E-Zone, with your host, Andrew Hayes. Hello, and welcome to the second installment, the long overdue step, second installment of the MSU Impact Sports E-Zone. My name is Andrew Hayes, your host as always. So, a lot has happened in the past, oh, what's it been? It's been like a month since I posted one of these, which is wrong, and I apologize for leaving you guys hanging. But uh, I'm back now, and uh, a lot of things have happened, not the least of which being uh, State lost their number one ranking in the standings um, due to a pretty ugly loss against UNC, University of North Carolina, uh, December 4th. Lost by 14. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but right now, the uh, just got back from the uh, the game against North Florida. Michigan State won 78-48. Uh, to 48. Really, it, that's one of those games that uh, I've... I've realized that they're they can be referred to as opportunity games, and uh, because usually, when the other coach comes out for his post game press conference, prior to Coach Izzo coming out, uh, usually the first part of the his opening statement begins with something along the lines of, "We want to thank Michigan State for this opportunity to come and play here." You know, it's a great opportunity for our program to play against this kind of competition and also make money for our school, blah, blah, blah. They they throw around the word and just emphasize what a great opportunity it is so that they can ignore the fact that they just got smoked. But uh, this North Florida coach, um, i got to find his name here. The uh, Matthew Driscoll is his name. Um or no, yeah, that is Matthew Driscoll. Uh, he, Coach Driscoll, gave one of the best, uh, the best uh, post game interview that I have heard, or be- best post game press conference that I've heard from a from an opposing coach coming in here so far. Um, I'll play some of it now. And the Valentine kid has surprised me almost three to one assist to turnovers coming into the game. He surprised me on film as well, too. And you guys didn't even have Trice and Harris tonight. And then I don't even know who the bird kid is. Um, you know, the bird kid comes in and makes two out of three. So, you know, you know, um, when you're at our level and you got to play against the, the schools we have to play and bring in the amount of money we bring in, these things, are they, 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 get, they get very, very tough on your kids. And, um, you know, our, our guys, our effort is, is never in question. But here's the thing about my level. If you ain't truthful with the guys, then they know you're full of crap. And they ain't going to believe you. So I just tell them like it is. There's certain things I can't control during these games. So we've got to be better, stronger, faster somehow and be resilient. Indiana with their youth and, and, and maybe their inexperience. Von Ley is a great player. You guys will enjoy watching him. He's a McDonald's All-American. I was a two-time McDonald's All-American, by the way. Grill and, and fries. Obviously, I think, I think the, the 
the two best lines from from his interview was when he mentioned that he also was a McDonald's All American, and uh, when he said he had no, he has no idea who this Russell Bird guy is. Um, I don't know if it picked up in the microphone, but you, the whole room was laughing pretty hard because we all know here Rusty Bird, full or cult legend. Um, but uh, but yeah, Michigan State. I mean. The game was – this was the kind of team that you really can't tell anything based on numbers. I mean, Michigan State had four guys in double figures, and that's without Harris playing. That's without Costello playing. Um, I mean, three guys on Michigan State tied or outscored North Florida's leading score. I mean, there's just a million different ways you can look at this. Michigan State had 42 points in the paint. They had 22 points off turnovers. They, I mean, it was the 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 score at halftime was 50 to 19, and I think I mean you heard uh, you heard what Coach Driscoll said about as far as just you know how bad that that spread was. They and and that's that's one thing that was impressive about this North Florida team was. Uh, they fought. They didn't. There was no lay down. There was no sense of we're just gonna roll over and and watch this team put up as many points as they can against us. They they fought hard. It was uh, it was impressive, to say the least. And uh, and yeah, big game out of Adrian Payne. He led the team with 19. Uh, also had uh, oh shoot, I got the wrong papers here. Okay, he had 19. Seven or seven rebounds. I think I jinxed Brandon Dawson because I said he was on pace for a uh, for a double double again. He had uh, twelve points, seven rebounds. He had nine and six at half. Um, Denzel Valentine looked pretty good. Had a couple two. He had he was one to one on turnover ratio. Turnover to assist ratio. He had four assists, four turnovers. Um, he played kind of. I don't know. I feel like Valentine's one of those guys. He kind of gets into a mode where he just says, "Screw it, let's see what I can do." And uh, and it's fun to watch when it works, but when it doesn't work, God, it is it is ugly. But uh, the other thing Michigan State's dealing with right now, um, and especially this past week, is uh, the injury and illness bug. Something that I've I said from the beginning: if they can avoid that, they'll be in business. Um, but Sadly, they have not, and I think that's part of what hurt them against UNC. Uh, I don't think Harris has really been at a hundred percent for a lot of the uh, since probably oh right at, right around after the Kentucky game. I think uh, I think he he tweaked something, and uh, his ankle hasn't been right since uh, he. I guess it's it's been an injury that he's been dealing with since the summer, but uh, he re-aggravated it this this season and. Uh, and he's been he's been he's been uh, I don't know he's been he's been hurt by that for for lack of a better word right now, um, but right now uh, they got that they've got Trice was out tonight I don't think he'll be out for very long he, he was dealing with some uh, blisters uh, and there were talks of him having uh, having the flu. Uh, he, he went through shoot around and went through layups today, but, uh, based on what Izzo said, uh, he didn't really practice much of the week. So, uh, so yeah, he, uh, he was out tonight. 
Don't know if he's going to be back for Texas. Uh, Izzo was very noncommittal as far as uh, saying whether or not Appling and Harris um, were going to be back f- for when they go down and play the Longhorns uh, this Saturday at 4. Oh, it's an early one. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, – and then Costello, Costello his, he has mono. And uh, I went through mono freshman year, so two years ago. Uh, that is a nasty thing. And first, I mean, first and foremost, it's not just that he's run down. It's, you know, he's got an inflamed, whatever it is that that's hurt for that. Um, so don't want that to explode or anything, but, uh, Costello, the, the last game that Costello played against, I believe it was Mount St. Mary's. Yes. Yeah, uh, the last game that he played against Mount St. Mary's, he looked awesome. Um, he was, he was. This was just the, the very beginning before they had diagnosed him with mono. Um, he looked fantastic. He, uh, I don't remember exactly his stat line from that night, but he had. And it wasn't the stats necessarily, but he had one sequ- sequence where he uh, he threw an absolute hammer down on one end after. All of Mount St. Mary's forgot to guard him and then uh, went down to the other end and just an absolute monster of a swat. You know what? That might have been the North Carolina game. Now that I'm thinking, it was the North Carolina game because he did it against, I believe, McAdoo on the block. So, yeah, North Carolina game was the last game Costello played now that I have my story straight. And he looked good. Uh, Really, I mean, he brought a lot of energy. Obviously, he's still. Uh, I th- it looks like he's starting to get into the uh, into the flow of this offense a little bit more and and get more comfortable playing playing big time minutes like they're going to need him too. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been tough. And then I think Kaminsky is just kind of the cherry on top. He's been uh, suspended indefinitely. That was prior to the Oakland game last uh, Saturday or this past Saturday, I guess. Um, I don't know what, what his deal is. He's been dealing with the, the first, he missed the first three games of the season because of, because of academic issues. And, uh, that's, that's a tough thing to deal with. I think, I think Izzo is, is trying to, to show this team that just because they're good at basketball and this team is very good at basketball, um, that doesn't mean that he's going to let them slack off when it comes to school and stuff like that. Uh, he's or he's just, or he set uh, Appling um, and Payne a couple weeks ago. Or Appling, Payne, and Dawson. He set them last week. I think at the beginning of this uh, St. Mary's game because they uh, they skipped a class. And uh, it's funny when when stuff like that happens. Or it was it was weird for me being in in the locker room and and listening to Payne answer all the questions about you know from reporters that aren't currently in college asking him you know the specifics of how it how he got caught and this and that and the other thing and asking him you know is this the first time this has happened blah 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 fact of the matter is kids are going to I I mean I I don't know of too many college students that haven't missed a class, and uh, and it stinks for athletes because 
when you're six foot ten and walking into a class, it's uh, it's pretty tough to to just sneak in quietly in the back. But uh, but I, I give I do give Vizzo a lot of credit because I think Kaminsky was, and it stinks that that Kaminsky has been suspended because he was really starting to come into his own as a shooter. Um, he was starting to look more confident out there. Um, but he's a student athlete, and you gotta fulfill both parts of that that title. And uh, it stinks, but it is what it is. Um, but move, I want to go back to the the North Carolina game. In case you haven't figured out by now, it's just me for for this podcast. I've got nobody else with me tonight, so I'm just gonna yammer on here for probably another forty minutes or so. Um, Going back to that UNC game, and that was that was a sneaky game because you had number one versus an unranked team. So on paper, that's okay. Michigan State's gonna just roll. It's in Michigan State. Um, but first thing that scared me, I mean, let, let's let's say this first: that UNC team should never have fallen out of the top twenty-five. They had a couple bad losses. They're they look, they seem very similar to a Michigan State type team, where they play down the level of their competition. Their first loss to whoever that was, um, it was. Uh, they missed, I think, like twenty something, or they missed an outrageous amount of free throws. So that that loss you can almost throw out the window because if they make i think if they would have made like half their free throws they would have won that game going away and they didn't do that and when they came here uh they made just about all their free throws they looked automatic at the free throw line and that was frustrating for me because i expected that to be the one place that we could send them without hurting ourselves but uh well uh it hurt a lot playing that team um and uh but uh but i mean that unc right now is let's see 18 i believe yeah they're number 18 and they should be probably a top 15 team if if you take away those two bad losses and that is the one beauty of college basketball, and and Michigan State has the same luxury that UNC does with those early season losses to unranked teams. Um, first of all, I would be willing to bet that UNC ends up in the tournament this year, uh, and I would be willing to bet that the two teams that UNC lost to are not, well, if they are in the tournament, they're not going to be a, uh, a real highly ranked team. Um but uh but yeah that that was a sneaky sneaky game and everybody thought no oh, this is no problem for Michigan State and then it was i was sitting in the uh in front of my computer looking at some pregame stuff before that game uh and the, the i think it was ESPN might have tweeted um Roy Williams is six or was six and zero against Michigan State heading into that game, and anytime you, anytime I see a stat like that, it scares the bejesus out of me, because whether you agree with this or not, there are certain teams 
in sports for every single team. It's not just Michigan State. It's not just it's not just between Michigan State and UNC. It's their teams that they just plain have your number and or they play you really tight. I think it can that's kind of the way it is when Michigan State plays Wisconsin or Indiana. I'm always terrified no matter what the record is when Michigan State plays Indiana or Wisconsin. That's going to be a tough game. And so when you start showing me that Roy Williams has never lost to Tom Izzo, that scares me. But, uh, you know, you get and the one thing about the UNC game that I thought was very telling of this Michigan State team was the way in which it was lost. Michigan State has been getting out-rebounded like crazy this year. They have... And I, th- part of it is that that the team is not that big. Adrian Pla- Adrian Payne and Brandon Dawson play a whole lot bigger than they are, but I'm pretty sure Payne is the tallest player on Michigan State, and he's six ten, and he's not very heavy. He's uh, I want to say he's like six ten to twenty to forty something like that. Here I get it six ten two forty five. That's that's decent sized, but he's not a heavy 245. It's not like he's uh it's not like it's a real thick thick 250 almost. He is uh he's a very long, very athletic, very talented big man. I'm not saying I'm not taking anything away from him or Cost- Costello or Schilling or any of the big guys down low, but the fact of the matter is when they're playing guys from UNC that are 300 pounds plus and they're pushing seven, they're right at seven foot, that's not a matchup that they're going to win. And for as, let it, for as athletic as Brandon Dawson is, he, I mean, you can't teach. That's one thing that I, one, one of my favorite basketball t- phrases of all time is you can't teach height it doesn't matter if you are you are perfect you are well well uh well trained and well practiced you are perfectly fun perfect fundamentally when it comes to uh defense or rebounding or any of that when you're six six going up against a guy who's six foot eleven and 280 that's not a matchup that's 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 favorable you're gonna need some really good bounces you're gonna need some really good uh you're gonna need some luck is what you're gonna need but uh so that's that's been a major issue for this michigan state team is rebounding they have not rebounded the ball well at all they got uh out they've been out rebounded in i think five or six games thus far um and it's been, especially in the the North Carolina game, there were a lot of balls that were hitting the floor, and that's just not something you can have. And it was happening on the Michigan State defensive glass, and that's something you really can't have. You can't have that's that's day one stuff when you're playing basketball. You can't lose. You cannot let that ball hit the ground because once that ball hits the ground, it's a free for all. And a lot of times the the uh, the offense is going to come away with stuff like that. So Michigan State has got to shore it up on the uh, on the uh, on the boards. 
Yeah, there we go. I was going to say offensive and then defensive, but no, they just got to clean it up, rebounding, period. Um, that's been a major issue. The other thing that really showed in the UNC game, it didn't show as much tonight against North Florida. I'm just going to discount. Not that North Florida isn't a, isn't a worthwhile team, but let's be honest, they they didn't look good. And, and, and Michigan State played like they should have against Oakland and St. Mary's and a lot of the games where they were close. That Oakland game was a four-point game, and that's something that can't happen. And even in the, I mean, Oklahoma, that's an 11-point win. I don't know. It's, if Michigan State's opponents can shut them down in transition, Michigan State becomes a very one-dimensional team. Unless Adrian Payne can just take over and, He's bigger and and better than anybody down inside, which I think when he wants to, he can be that guy. Tonight, he was outstanding. He was throwing up. He took a probably a 17-footer from right at the top of the key, and that he was kind of sideways to the basket and didn't look like it had a prayer. It was one of those where as it was released, I kind of went, ugh. But banked it, or I think he just swooshed that one, yeah. So, you've got, uh, but when Michigan State can't get out in, into transition, because that's that's a big part of the of of the way that they play this year is they need to get out in transition and they need to make teams they need to run teams down and they need to wear them down and and I think that's part of what what helps Adrian Payne work down low is that the, that Michigan State runs so much inbounds passes everything the, the ball's got to be up the floor as fast as possible when you have that it wears down the other team's big men that probably aren't used to running that much so when Payne can can establish himself down low that's a huge weapon but in the UNC game and uh also in Let's see. There was another one. I can't. Oh, it was. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. The Columbia game that was a nine-point game against an Ivy League school, which is absolutely terrifying. They, uh, they, they settled for a lot of outside stuff. A lot of outside stuff. Really don't like that because as great a shooter as Gary Harris, and this team has some outstanding shooters. Keith Appling has has been great this year. Keith Appling, Gary Harris, Denzel Valentine, Russell Bird, all these guys can can shoot. There's no doubt about that. But then again, there's some nights where you're just playing going to be off, and that's all there is to it. Um, and on those nights, Michigan State needs, needs to be able to uh, – they need to be able to hit those those – um, those shot, or they need to be able to work it inside and create something that isn't around the perimeter. Don't see it as inside out. See it as outside in, because right now that's a lot of what is is trying to be established: is get the ball inside, kick it back out, see who's got a shot, whip it around, do whatever. But that's not always an option. If 
because like I said, and especially I think I think Harris is, has been hurt a lot more by the ankle than he'd like to admit. Um, he, uh, yeah, it, it, his shot doesn't doesn't look as good as it did at the beginning of the year prior to him uh, to him. Ah, um, jeez, oh, prior to him tweaking that ankle again. I mean, Michigan State shot thirty six percent against UNC. 36%. You can't beat anybody shooting like that. And uh, and I think that they also took, let's see, they took a total of 24 three-pointers, 24 out of 64 shots. I guess that's not a terrible ratio, but it's just a lot of, their their offense looks so stagnant at, at points when they have to run the run the run the half court. Goodness gracious, um, it's uh, it's bad at times. It really is. And even tonight, there was one one play in particular that I can remember. And granted, this was when Michigan State was up by forty, so there's there wasn't really a whole lot of urgency going on. But it was Keith Aveling dribbled up the court, stood it. Uh, Stood it towards the top of the key, just on the other side of half court. Michigan State had four guys at the free throw line extended, and Appling kind of made a couple ball fakes, trying to get it into pain. Nobody else moved. That's what I found weird. Is I know that there are certain set plays that these guys want to run, and that Izzo wants these guys to run, where they. Uh, where they're going to be, you know, it has to go here in order for something else to happen. But when Payne is draped all over by his defender, somebody has to move. And I don't know if that's just uh, that's just the the product of not having your usual guys, not having Harris and not having Costello um, and not having Trice. But you can't have Keith Appling <laughs> come across half court Stared down Adrian Payne, who is clearly working for position. Everybody knows the ball is going to go there, and then turn it over. And that was the problem; was it, it directly caused a turnover. So, the half court offense needs to get better. But hey, they're the number five team in the nation. They're playing. I. I think probably in the best conference in the nation, you've got Ohio State and Wisconsin at three and four. I don't think that's respectively. Um, but uh, everything's going to be fine is what I keep telling myself. And I'm going to tell you that too because, hey, that way we can both live this illusion if it turns out to be the case. But yeah, Ohio State is three, Wisconsin is four, Michigan State five. Um, I'll tell you what, that Michigan team looked good against Arizona the other day. Uh, what was that? Saturday, I believe. They looked strong playing Arizona. And as, uh, as much as it hurts to root for Maize and Blue, that, was, that would have been a huge game for them to win. Because that's, all right, folks, now this is going to blow your mind. But it's great if Michigan wins before the Big Ten starts. It's great if Michigan wins. It's awesome. Because there's this thing called RPI, and that's where you find out who, how tough your, your schedule was and how tough 
the teams that you played were. And if Michigan could have beaten a team like Arizona that was ranked number one at the time that they played them, I don't think Arizona is going to be number one for an extended period of time. Um, but for if they could have beaten that team, that would have been huge for the conference. It would have been huge for – now, it would have been huge for Michigan State, assuming that they beat Michigan when they play them. But it's all about that RPI, baby. And for us here at Michigan State where, you know, being number one three weeks into the season is great, but I could care less unless there's a there's a trophy being held up in March. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the beautiful thing of being a Michigan State basketball fan is the, I, I almost take the regular season for granted. Um, you know, obviously it's, it's great to be able to win a Big Ten title. Um, it's great to be able to beat these high-quality teams that Michigan State plays before the Big Ten even starts the Kentuckys and the UNCs and the Texas and the, you know, Georgetown later this or later next year, I guess. But this team is, is okay. And, you know, people wanted, that was my fit. I don't remember if I could remember, I would call them out on it, but somebody tweeted out, I guess Michigan state was a little overrated when they lost to UNC. Who's, a great team that if Michigan State had lost to like I don't know North Florida yes then you can start throwing around overrated and all that garbage but the fact of the matter is UNC is a, probably a top I mean they're definitely a top 10 program in the nation and that's not saying this year but overall that's a team that knows how to win and that's a coach in Roy Williams who knows what he's doing there um so for that that I couldn't believe when I saw overrated on Twitter. Michigan State was the or was the was the beneficiary of awesome an awesome schedule early in the year. An awesome schedule. And you saw that I mean, the Kentucky win, I'm not going to call it a fluke, but I don't think it was indicative of the way that Kentucky plays and I don't think it was indicative of the way that Michigan State is able to dominate a half of basketball against a team that's that athletic. I think if you pl- if Michigan State plays Kentucky again in the in March, that is a scary matchup because I mean there were there were peaks of it during the game. You could see just how athletic and and really just raw Kentucky was. I think that was the biggest thing from that game. Um, but I was thinking about it today because I I was trying to figure out how to how to compare this or make this make sense. That Kentucky win was it was nothing. It it didn't mean anything. I don't think. Anybody who got all excited about that win is a reactionary person and and should should just it's if you are excited about that win you sh- you need to watch more basketball because yes it was exciting it was it was awesome but watching that game and watching the games after that you realize this is not a Michigan State team that's going to just sit at number 1 and go you know 
30 and whatever in the regular season. Or 30 whatever and all in the regular season. It just wasn't going to happen. And especially for the for the uh conference that Michigan State plays in, it's not it's it's not feasible. It's it's highly unlikely. Um it'd be great if it happened. I hope they prove me wrong. And and show that that this is a team that can that can run through the Big 10. They can walk through the Big 10 and come into the Nash or the the NCAA tournament as as an overwhelming favorite as no, for number one overall, but uh, that's not that's not what I've seen from this Michigan State team, and and I hope that like I said I hope I'm wrong, but uh, but that's the way it is. I mean, like I said, being ranked number one in December is great. Being number one in March and proving that you're number one in March is a million times better. So I'm fine with Michigan State sitting at five. Shoot, I'd be fine with them sitting at 12 because that way when they play teams like Texas or play bigger teams, there's no pressure. And that was one thing that I think really stuck out watching Michigan State play once they got that number one ranking is they looked like they knew they were the number one team. And they didn't play like they were the number one team. They played like they were ranked as the number one team, if that makes sense. It wasn't, you know, we're going to go out there and show them, show the world that we deserve to be number one. It's, we're going to go out there and we're going to play a game, and I hope to God that we're still number one after. That's the way it looked like to me. And I'm not saying that these guys, you know, let up or any of that. But that, and I think Izzo commented on it. He talked about, you know, guys paying too much attention to Twitter and paying too much attention to to what people were talking about them because, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I think I think Izzo's words were after the the UNC loss was uh, was was tweet this, and uh, and that I think that was his actually that was his parting shot as he as he left. But uh, one thing that I one other thing that I want to touch on. Before I go any further, is uh, is how impressive, or I don't know if impressive is the word, or valuable, the two true freshmen, Gavin Schilling and Alvin Ellis the third, have been. Um, I thought, and I'll play you. Uh, this was we actually have a lost episode of uh, of the Impact Is On. Um, this was me and uh, one of our writers, Blake Froling. I was talking about the uh, um, the whole Alvin Ellis situation. There was there was some debate whether or not he was going to be redshirted or not. Obviously, he did not use the red shirt, but uh, but here this was me talking about whether or not Ellis was going to be redshirted prior to him making that decision. Heard so far, I think, uh, and this is just my speculation. I have nothing other than what. Izzo has said, and I'm reading between the lines here, and like I said, strictly speculation, but uh, I think they're going to use a red shirt on uh, Alvin Ellis III. Um, he's, he's, they don't need another guard, really. You've got, it's so top-heavy at the guard position right now between uh, Trice, Appling, Harris, Bird, even Valentine. You, I don't need another 6'4", 200-pounder. 
That's exactly right. And Ellis, he did play well in the uh, game against Indiana. He had seven points in nine minutes, right. which is extremely efficient. But it's just there's just nowhere to put him. Same kind of situation that uh, Kaminsky's in. They're coming into a veteran team that's already established so many possible pro players on this squad there's there's nowhere to put him and I think it would serve him best to get the red shirt learn from these guys and then have four years of eligibility ahead of him where he can actually play and make a difference yeah that's right I'm an idiot and I that's that's what we call journal journalistic integrity folks I screwed up and I'm gonna I'm gonna go out of my way to prove it um, I thought he was going. I thought for sure he was going to be redshirted. Izzo's words were he does a lot of things great. I don't know what he does, or he does a lot of things well. I don't know what he does great yet. We'll see how it goes. It's the second time this year Thomas fooled me. First with the cannon thing, and now it's something about those darn Izzos. I can't get a beat on them. But anyway, pretty impressive uh, from Ellis so far. There was a move tonight. He went. He went hard to the basket. It was a fast break. I think it was a two-on-two. He got the ball at about the three-point line and just put his head down, went hard to the basket, and then after contact, which I think shows a lot of maturity and a lot of awareness on his part, he went up hard, drew the contact, and then had a soft touch for the and one um, on the layup. But the uh, he's shown a lot of a lot of toughness I think I don't think he's I think he'll get minutes now and again because um Russell Bird even though shout out to Russell Bird for tonight's game I didn't talk about him before because well as I said tonight's game was pretty ugly but uh Russell Bird had 11 points six rebounds um he shot he shot 50 percent from the three-point line and uh and four for six from the field. I think that's uh that's the kind of progress you want to see from him. And hopefully and maybe that's I've been I've been toying with this idea, especially tonight, that these teams or this team right now is just trying to figure out who's gonna step up and who's gonna who's going to take the place of your scores in Gary Harris and um, um, pretty much just Gary Harris. Um, missing him hurts a lot, but the fact of the matter is somebody's going to have to step up and and take his place. And even if it's not just one guy, it's got to be it's got to be a group of guys. And if, like tonight, there were I think, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys had 20 minutes playing time, which is huge. And I think that's a big testament to Izzo for him working his guys in a good rotation, getting the guys, the Alex Gaunas, the Russell Birds, the Alvins, the Gavin Schillings, um, getting those guys a lot of playing time and, and getting them some experience so that next year when it's this situation where you're without Harris all the time, more than likely. Um, you can. They're 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 going to know what to do, and they're going to know what is expected of them, and they're going to know how to deal with the situations that arise. Um, so yeah, but Alvin Ellis, 
Really impressed with him. The biggest thing is watching him. I wonder how much better he can get if the offense isn't centered around someone other than him. If he's if he's seen as a or given a major role in this offense and given the opportunity to score as much as possible, I think I think he's going to be pretty dangerous. Um, the other guy who's really come on in the past couple games and. I know Blake already talked about Brandon Dawson. He he wrote an article about Brandon Dawson being the X Factor this year. And uh I think Mark Titus referred to Brandon Dawson as the X Factoriest X Factor there is, or something along those lines. Um, so clearly X Factor a little cliche when it comes to Brandon Dawson this year. But for lack of a better term, he has been a major difference maker, especially this past week or so um, since the UNC game, really. And uh, I still contest that the entire reason that he had an off night against UNC was uh, he wore a T-shirt underneath his uh, underneath his jersey. He hasn't. I haven't seen him do that at all this year. It was just the one game against UNC. He wore a T-shirt underneath his jersey. You know, it's the little things. And I said the same thing when uh, – when Kaminsky, I think oh, I think it was the St. Mary's game, he took his T-shirt off from underneath his jersey, and he had a great night. So this is, yep, that's my ridiculous claim for the for the evening, even though Adrian Payne went off the night wearing a T-shirt. Uh, yeah, don't wear T-shirts underneath your jerseys unless uh, you're in middle school or have arms like me, which uh, if you have arms like me, I'm sorry. Um, you know, hit the weights, kid. Uh, but, uh, but Brandon Dawson, I still think he has the sneakiest scoring ability on the team because it's very rare that, especially because he doesn't shoot from outside. I still don't, I'm almost positive he has yet to attempt a three pointer this year. Um, he has the sneakiest. He had a he turned in a double double against Oakland. He had four uh, sixteen points, thirteen rebounds, five of which were offensive. And I I didn't realize it. It wasn't until like probably uh, twelve minutes into the game um, when I was watching it when I was thought, oh shoot, Dawson's been pumping in a lot of points. And that's I think that's a testament to him. Because, like I said, there's not many plays that Michigan State's running that where Brandon Dawson is the target, where he's the guy that is always trying to get get to score. He creates his own buckets. That's why he turns in so many double doubles. Because when he's scoring, he's also rebounding, and he's getting those second chance points. That's why he had five rebound, five offensive rebounds. And put up 16 points in the Oakland game. He played 36 minutes too. That'll help. But having having a guy like him, even though he's undersized at 6'6", and that's you know seems kind of crazy to be undersized at six and a half feet tall. But that's you know that's short for basketball. That's all there is to it. Um, you know he's 6'6", 225. That's that's a big dude. That's a huge like. Uh, wide receiver but 
he's undersized for being a forward who can't shoot. That's the biggest thing. And his 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 defense has has been great at times, but I think when he's rebounding the ball and when he's getting those second chance opportunities, that's really when he takes off as a player and his entire game gets better. So that uh, I hope, I really hope Dawson can keep it up. I don't know if this is just uh, the product of playing inferior opponents and playing smaller teams, but uh, he's looked great the past couple games against Oakland and then again tonight against North Florida. Um, kind of had a tough second half, but, you know, they didn't need it. So, and it's, that's that's another thing, and I wrote about this, oh, I think it was, it must have been prior to the UNC game because nobody stepped up then. But for the most part, with the, I think, just pretty much the exception of that UNC game, Michigan State has so many guys that can step up when they need somebody to step up. It's not just, okay, Gary Harris needs to have 15 points tonight or Michigan State doesn't stand a chance. They can get 15 points out of, realistically, they can get 15 points out of Dawson, Payne, Appling, Valentine, um, uh, not Schilling, Harris, and Trice. That's six guys that you can get double digits or double figures every night easy and i think pain especially if if he's if he's asserting himself down low like he should that's that's the that's 10 points is easy for him um but as far as this team doesn't gary harris is the the appointed superstar and i understand why but when you really break it down and look at this team, any single one of these guys could be a superstar on any other team. And I think that's that's a great thing to have, but at the same time, because just because I th- I okay, where am I going with this? There's because there's so many guys that can score like that, there's no excuse to have games like UNC in my opinion. There's no excuse for it. Okay, so Harris can't hit threes tonight because his ankle's bugging him. Let's get some points out of Appling. Appling's been taking it to the hole like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, I asked him a couple weeks ago. I think it was two weeks or yeah, two weeks ago. Let's say I asked him about his uh, his aggressiveness in attacking the basket tonight. He he didn't shoot real well from the floor. I think he's two for so. Where is it? Right there. Two for eight. Shot four for six from the free throw line. Had eight points. It, it, pedestrian night for him. Um, but this was him. I asked him about his approach attacking the basket. The way that the way that the new rules is working, I feel like that's that's an advantage that the offensive player has. You know, so I mean, uh, and I'm shooting pretty decent from the free throw line right now. You know, so. I just, I just try to keep the defense on their heels and, and try to be aggressive, and you know, they'll more than likely foul me more times than none. So, just the main thing is I just want to be aggressive. So just, just like, okay, he knows that he. First of all, that's awesome that he has acknowledged that the rules play so heavily to his 
to his favor, especially on the offensive end, not so much on the defensive end. But I will say that's one thing Michigan State has done well this year is they haven't gotten a lot of those hand-checking fouls. Um, it's been a struggle a little bit for for uh, Schilling and, and Ellis just because they're coming straight out of high school, um, getting rid of some bad habits. But, you know, that needs to be the men- this needs to be the mentality for this team. If obviously fine, if we want, if if we're gonna say Gary Harris is the guy that that's that's gonna be the the superstar that that other teams m- focus in on, that's fine. Whatever, let's do that. That's great. As a matter of fact, let other teams worry, focus so much on Harris that they forget that Adrian Payne can pump in probably 12 points inside and then hit two threes on the outside too. Forget about the fact that Keith Appling is incredibly quick on the dribble. Forget about the fact that Brandon Dawson, even though he's 6'6 and he plays down low, he can jump out of the stinking gym. And he's gotten better from a, from, from a jump shooting point of view. And I think teams have acknowledged that because they've been coming out on him a lot more and he hasn't even really proven himself to be that great an outside or a jump shooter but he's he the mid-range stuff got the other teams are still guarding him out there which is great because it opens up his ability to drive which is really where he succeeds um it, let teams forget about the fact that Denzel Valentine isn't just a facilitator that he can shoot from outside let teams forget about the fact that even though Travis Trice is undersized and and not the biggest dude on the court I think he's probably the smartest guy basketball wise that Michigan State has on their team you watch him go out there and the decisions that he makes and the way that he commands the floor I've been saying all year if I could get a combination of Keith Appling and Travis Trice I would probably have the best point guard ever and I'm I'm not saying that that Appling is that gifted physically, and I'm not saying that Trice is that gifted in his decision making, but when you combine the very, very good athleticism of, of Appling and the very, very smart mind of of Trice, I think you get one heck of a uh, of a point guard. So, but this is. This is the mentality that that Michigan State has to have. It can't just be, oh, shoot, we can't hit shots tonight. Let's just keep chucking it up there and hope that something goes in. They can't have the shoot-to-get-hot mentality because that's my mentality when I'm playing pickup games, and it never works. Um, But that's the mentality that, that needs to be for this whole team. And I, th- and I hope that they're able to to push past that, and I think this stretch of not having Harris is going to be huge in terms of confidence for this team because now it's not they're looking to other people to score. They can take it upon themselves in this stretch before Harris comes back, and I think it'll help once Harris comes back. And they'll say, okay, Gary's not having a good night. I'm going to take, I'm going to put it on my shoulders and and do what I need to do to help this team out. Um, and, and I hope that, that that's the way, uh, that's the way that they see this. Um, all right. I'm, I'm out of basketball stuff to talk about. Um, so we're going to take this, this moment here and I'm going to go off on a little bas or non-basketball tangent. So if you, uh, if you're, 
if you're not interested in things that aren't Michigan State basketball, thanks for listening. But for now, uh, uh, MLB has outlawed collisions at home plate. Um, And basically, they've taken away the only legal, the only contact in that sport that's legal. Um, I'm just going to talk about it for a couple minutes because it's on my mind. And hey, I've still got uh, like 10 minutes to fill here. Collisions at home plate should be legal. And this is coming from a kid who used to play catcher in high school. And um, not to say that that makes me a, a valid source for this because, you know, you'd probably talk to a, a major league catcher who's who's facing a guy coming at him that's six foot three, two 250 pounds. They're going to have a different idea. But uh, from my point of view, from a guy that used to play the position – that was one of my absolute favorite moments. Um, it was so much fun just knowing that guy was coming at you and your only goal is to absorb the hit and hope to God that you can hold on to that baseball. One of my favorite moments from playing catcher, uh, it was my sophomore year of high school. I had a guy coming down third baseline. He was the starting linebacker on an all-boys school by me. Uh, I think he was shaving at about the age of eight. Um, uh, he frequently kissed his wife and kids as he left the uh, as he left the team bus to uh, head to the field. So, and I think I had um, talked smack to one of his buddies earlier in the game. Not a great idea. Uh, but anyway, throws coming home from first base. My first baseman had a terrible throw. Um, took me out of the base path and all I heard behind me was a gigantic uh just it sounded like a car wreck the guy tried to truck the uh umpire instead of me um which uh in hindsight I guess my first baseman basically saved my life but I still wish that I had caught that ball and that guy had hit me because it's a pride thing it's like you just ran as hard as you could and tried to knock this baseball out of my hands I'm still holding on to the baseball. You get to go back to the bench and your team gets zero runs. It's an awesome part of the sport. It's an exciting part of the sport. And I understand that it's a player safety thing. And, you know, uh, Buster Posey broke his leg and they're trying to protect not only the players but the owners who are making investments on these these big-time players. But let's not make this game any less sissified than it already is and that's not the word i would choose and uh i could probably get away with other stuff since this is going straight online but i'm not going to because i'm a gosh darn professional um but let why why take the contact out why take the only contact out of a sport that's already completely non-contact it's so what are we going to do we're just going to have sweep tags at home plate and I, I don't understand because the uh, the runner's not allowed to lower his shoulder into the catcher. The catcher's not allowed to block the plate. It it's a screwy rule, and uh, and I don't even know what the punishment is. Is it an is it an automatic out if you try to run over the catcher? Is it is it 
I, I don't know. Is it? Does the run count automatically if the catcher is trying to block the plate? There, it's screwy, and and I know that there are already rules in place in baseball to make it safer. The vicinity rule at second base, which is the dumbest thing that anyone has ever come up with in all of professional sports, even dumber than the drop kick in football. It's uh, I don't know, kind of a drag, but uh, hey, there's my rant for the week on that. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, stay tuned. Michigan State's next game is this sa- this coming Saturday, the 21st, uh, against the Texas Longhorns. That'll be a huge game. Um, I don't I don't have any scouting on Texas, to be honest with you. Um, there's a pretty good chance that uh, Harris won't play again. If I had to put money on it, I would say no. Um because they want him, Izzo, and I think, I know I do, and I hope you do too, um, he needs to be healthy once the Big Ten season starts, because once the Big Ten season starts, there is no looking back. This team is, I mean, first game is at Indiana, then they come, or no, first Big Ten season opener is... New Year's Eve against Penn State at Penn State. And then the Spartans travel to Indiana and then back here to the Breslin for Ohio State. Those The first two out of those three games are so tough. Indiana's a heck of a team. I've been watching them. I think Yogi Ferrell's probably going to be one of the best, uh, probably one of the best point guards. I think it'll be between him and Appling. And probably Kraft, too. Oh, Aaron Kraft. I've never hated and respected a player more than Aaron Kraft because he's just, you know, he's he's a grinder is what he is. For lack of a better word, he just goes out there and, and works so hard. And I respect the guy, but, man, do I wish that Michigan State didn't have to play him, what, twice a year? Yeah, twice a year. Yeah, pass. Thank you. Um, But Yogi Ferrell is going to be a heck of a – heck of a player this year if you look at him compared to last year his arms are about as big as as your torso now um assuming that you're not overly fat and listening to this um but yeah big game against texas i think that's going to be kind of i i think that will be the bounce back uh after the north carolina game that that this team needs if they can win that game in texas against a pretty good uh against a pretty good opponent I think that's that's going to set them on the right path set Michigan State on the right path moving forward uh, one other thing that I want to mention is you should have noticed and with any luck assuming that all of my uh, computer abilities are are better than they have been um, I uh I want to thank. Hold on, gotta find. Yeah, there it is. I want to thank Lou Divizio for putting together this intro um, that we have now. Um, I when I told him, or when I uh, when I first heard it, I told him it's it was Chill City for me. It was just an awesome, uh, awesome job by by Lou. So thank you very much to him. Uh, thank you very much to you guys for listening to the show. Um, Probably, let's see, what's today? Today's Tuesday. 
Yeah, we'll have another one up before before the new year. Um, wishing you all a very happy and safe holiday if you're traveling anywhere. Um, first of all, if you're traveling anywhere warm, I'm still here in Michigan, so just let me know where you're at somewhere down south and uh you can you can send me the plane ticket and and wherever we're going to be staying and uh and get me the heck out of this gosh darn snow um but once again my name is andrew hayes your host of the impact is on follow me on twitter at is on hayes 22 and be sure to follow us at msu impact sports um got just a ton of content we uh we finally had our big launch i think it was two or three weeks ago two weeks ago i'm I'm gonna say um got the site just how we want it pretty exciting stuff over here uh lots more great stuff coming hey we're going to the rose bowl that's uh i'm not going to talk about that too much but it's something that that never ever gets old to hear that michigan state is going to the rose bowl after 26 years um and shout out to my mother um for after 26 years of thinking that michigan state lost the rose bowl finally realized this year that uh hey michigan state won that rose bowl 26 years ago so good work mom keep up the good work uh you know history is what you make it right so however she hey if she wants to remember it as a loss that's her prerogative Anyway, my name is Andrew Hayes. Have a good week. Have a happy holidays if I don't talk to you before. And uh, go green.